Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together tonight. We welcome you to be a part of it. We thank you for the faces that are here. We thank you for, Lord, the community. We thank you for what you're doing in the heart of Canberra City. And we just give you room to move over the next few moments that you would have your way. You're welcome here, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I prayed because I wanted to welcome God, but I heard it actually brings people to their seats. I wanted to test it and it really worked. Because I actually said three times, why don't you make your way back to your seat? And everybody ignored me, which is fantastic. For those that don't know me, my name is Murray. I'm one of the uh, leaders here at Divergent Church. It's an absolute privilege and pleasure to, to share the Word of God with you tonight. If you are new to Canberra, we say welcome. It's so good to have you here. And uh, I hope you find a place here at Divergent Church, if that's for you. But if you have your Bibles, I'd love you just to open them. I'm going to move very quickly tonight. Then I'm going to just give God opportunity to move. And if we have some time afterwards, we might pray with one another. But definitely go out to dinner with one another. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to uh, John chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. We're talking about Jesus here as described in John 1. talks about the Word. The Word is actually Jesus. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life was the light of mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not been able to overcome it. We come down to verse 10. He was in this world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave them rights to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And here's the key verse that I want to share around tonight. In verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Let me just pray. Father, I just want to thank You for Your Word. I thank You that it's powerful. Lord, it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it it cuts deep into our heart, Lord God, and, and separates the truth from things that should not be there. But Lord, I just pray today as I bring the word that people would not hear my words, but they would hear yours. Father, we just open our hearts over this next 10, 15 minutes and we say, have your way. Do what you want to do in our life. We, it's, we're, we're grateful to come and gather together, but Lord, right now we give you opportunity to move in our lives personally and corporately, we pray, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. May I just ask for a glass of water? I've just got a tickly throat. My voice usually doesn't sound this sexy, so I just need a little bit of water. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It's God's desire to dwell with mankind and for us to dwell with Him. It was His plan from the beginning. In fact, thanks, mate. In the beginning, it talks about in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 8, how God would long to be with man and he would come down and walk in the cool of the evening. Let me just read that one verse to you. It says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the evening. 
and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden because the Lord called to them and said, where are you? Where are you? Do you know that God sent his son, as we read in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know that he still wanders the world yelling and calling out, where are you? If he's here tonight, he could be saying, where are you, Lockie? You're in the front row, mate. You're going to get picked on tonight. Where are you? He calls out to a generation of lost people. Where are you? He came to his own, that his own would receive him. He comes looking, he comes longing. Even though Adam had sinned in the garden and he was ashamed and he was naked and he was hiding from God because of the fear of sin and that he separated himself from God, but it didn't stop God from saying, Adam, where are you? I want to be with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to walk with you in the cool of the evening. It's his desire, the creator of the universe, to dwell with us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says this very simple word. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Now, I don't know if anyone in this room has ever fallen in love before. Falling in, oh, who said that? Someone at the back hoping to find some love. Falling in love is such a special thing because all you want to do is spend every waking minute with that other person. You don't mind getting the phone call and sitting there on the phone for hours just listening or talking. It's just, you just want to be in their presence. You just want to be in their company. You'll sit there and, and, and you'll do whatever. You'll go for a walk on the beach in the sunset. Isn't that beautiful? Holding hands. But you could sit there on the couch for two hours and not say a word to one another and it could be the best night of your life because you're dwelling in the presence with somebody that you're falling in love with. It's an amazing thing. The question I ask to you tonight is how can we draw close to God, to a God that we cannot see, who sometimes feels so far away? How could he possibly know what's going on in my life? How could he know the pressures? How could he know the challenges? How could he know I've just relocated and left my family and and relocated to a city where I know no one? How could God, who says he wants to dwell with me, know anything about me? How can we draw close to God and how can he draw close to us? And it's found in this one verse, Psalm 91 verse 1. He who dwells, there's that word again. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. How can we dwell with God, the creator of the universe? It's in the secret place. It's a place where it is just you and God with no distractions and you are shut off from the rest of the world. It could be in your room. It could be in your car. It could be at the rocks at the beach. It could be just a place that you've set aside purely to be in God's presence. I talk to a lot of people and it saddens me these days when I ask them the question, how do you spend time with God? What do you do? When do you do it? Where do you do it? And so many of them say, I don't do it anymore, Murray. I come to church and that's about it. That's the 
that's the place where I put God in his box in my life. We live in a world that says, entertain me. It's fast-paced, it's chaotic. When I was a kid growing up, my mum used to take myself and my three brothers to the Donut King. We didn't have cafes back then, they weren't trendy. But we went to the Donut King and we'd get donuts and there'd be a playground in the shopping centre so we would have our donuts and then we'd run and just be crazy. Four boys used to drive my mum crazy. And she would sit there with a cappuccino once a month and sit there and do nothing. And I remember looking back at my mum just checking she was still there because I just couldn't believe it. She'd just sit there with a coffee and do nothing. Now, coffee is one of my most favourite things in life. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning. But you go to a cafe these days, in the line they're looking at their phone. Someone could be sitting there on, having a coffee and they're on their phone or they're on their laptop and they're not doing nothing, they're doing something. Because we live in this world where we need to be entertained. It's fast-paced, it's driven, it's quick. Everyone wants responses now. They send you an email, they want a response within moments from you. It's just the way the world has gone and it's entertaining. It's what can I get out of this situation? It's chaotic. I asked the guy at my local cafe yesterday I hadn't seen for, for almost a year. I said, hey man, how you doing? He said, I'm really good, which is the standard response. I said, how's life? Oh, it's busy. He said, really? Yeah, busy. So what do you mean? Oh, work's busy. Oh, okay, well, that's like seven, eight hours of the day. What do you do the rest of the time? Oh, family's busy. The boys are keeping me busy, busy, busy. And like I've got housework to do. And honestly, it's just that common theme that flows out of people's mouths so easily off the tongue. Life is busy. It is. I had this guy that came to know Christ. He's a little Scottish guy. His name was Gary, but we all called him Jock. And he was this guy, he was a drunk and alcoholic Scottish guy that would get drunk every single night, go up to the biggest person in the bar and pick a fight with them. Didn't matter if they were six foot or six foot eight, he would take them on. And he, he, he used to tell me that he'd get in really close because they were too slow and they couldn't get their arms there. So he'd get in there as, as low as he could just to knock them out as quick as he could because he knew he didn't have a chance. But every night he'd end up in the gutter falling asleep. He radically got saved and gave his heart to Christ. And he learnt what it was to dwell in the presence of God because God became so real to him that it transformed his life. He transformed his life. And the creator of the universe no longer was a story that he heard about as a child, but the creator of the universe decided to make it his dwelling place in Jock. And Jock gave his life over to him. And he used to say these words to me every time I saw him and it stuck with me. And I'm not even going to try his Scottish accent. But he said, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. I got so sick and tired of hearing that, but that's the only words that came out of his mouth. If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. You see, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Very quickly as I begin to wrap it up, let's look at the meaning of the word dwell. You know that the word dwell is used over 400 times in the Old Testament. And when it's translated from the original text, it comes across with nine different meanings. But the most important four that's continually used, the first one, that the, when the word dwell is used in the Old Testament, it means to sit down. Who would have thought? 
to sit down. The second one it was to abide. The third is to inhabit. And the fourth is to remain. Now the New Testament talks about when the word dwell is spoken about, talks about the word abide and to indwell. The first one, which just blew my mind, is to sit. So when the Old Testament talks about to dwell, it means to sit. You know, Jesus was the master of sitting. He'd do some miraculous things. You know, he fed the 5,000 where he took a few loaves of bread and a few fish and he blessed it and gave thanks and then he distributed it and fed a crowd of over 5,000 people. And and we, we talk about revival and we sing about revival. That's revival right there and then. Excuse me. Jesus, the Son of God who made his dwelling among us, sees this miraculous thing take place and there's buckets of food left over. And, and you think, man, he's, he's got to do something. Now he's got the crowd. He's got their attention. There's a miracle. What is he going to do next? And this is what he does in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately after this, this is the miracle that just took place. Jesus made his disciples get back into a boat and cross to the other side of the lake and he sent the people home. Are you serious? He sent the people home after this incredible miracle. Afterwards, he went up on the hill by himself to pray. He had a culture of sitting still with his heavenly father. No matter how crazy his world was, turned upside down, miracle after miracle, his job or whatever he was doing, no matter what it was, how important that was, he always made his highest priority to sit in the presence with his father. You look for yourself, it's all the way through the New Testament Gospels. Jesus did it time and time again. I think sometimes we miss the point. With a busy life, with work and family and study and and our friendships and exercise and gym and our social life, we can sometimes forget the importance of what it means just to sit and be. There were two women in the Bible, Mary and Martha. One was working her guts out, making meals for Jesus, where the other one was just sitting at his feet. And Jesus praised and recognised her for what she was doing because she just wanted to sit and be in his presence. Many of you have heard my story that when I got to know Christ, I had this table at the top of my hill. That was the place in the morning before school. I would walk up and take my Bible and my worship music and I would just sit there in the presence of God, and I read my Bible, I begin to pray, I begin to dream, and I begin to listen. And it was there as I began to sit that I began to find out who the creator of the universe really was. And from that moment over a period of two years, I saw miracle after miracle break out in my school. Why? Because I was anything special? Nothing special. But I learned what it was just to sit and dwell in the presence of God. That has shifted for me now. The time where I find with God is in my car as I've gotten older. And I sit there and I kind of go to autopilot and I pray and listen to worship. But I take it this far and don't laugh at me. I'm a tradie so I've usually always got something in my front seat whether quotes or papers or something. Guys just want to get in at the end of a long day and throw whatever's there and then get home have a shower. But I always make it a priority these days to clear my seat, that there's nothing on the seat, nothing on the floor. And I get in the car and I look at that seat and I say, Holy Spirit, 
you're welcome to drive with me. And I don't let anyone else sit in that seat unless they sit on the Holy Spirit. But I make room for him. I make a place for him to sit with me, to be a part of my everyday life, busy as it is. He wants to dwell with us. He's walking this earth saying, where are you? So to dwell means to sit. The second meaning of the word dwell means to abide or remain. Depending on what version of the Bible you read, the NIV talks about abiding. And in the New King James, the word is remain. I want to read uh, John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain or abide in me and I will remain or abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain or abide in me. I recently walked across Spain through the back villages and uh, it's just full of, uh, of wine vineyards that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. If you get up to the top of the mountain, you literally see thousands upon thousands of, of wine trees or vines. And as you get closer, they're, they're, they're so thick, the trunk, but the, the branches have been pruned and they're a bit thinner and they've got wires and they thread it around the wires so they can take the weight of the grapes that grow. Now, when you walk between town to town, you're just in these fields of, of wine and you're not supposed to, but I tried the, the grapes. And when I walk up there, they're succulent. I forgot to bring the picture, but they just hang there and they look so inviting in a hot summer's day. And I go over and there's been been grapes that have fallen off the vine and they're sitting at the foot of the vine that are rotting and smelling and look disgusting. There is no way I'm going to pick one of those up to eat. But when I go over, I look at the best vine and the best uh, grape and I grab a handful and I've got to tell you the sweetness and the taste is absolutely amazing. You know, the vine helped create that beautiful fruit. But it can't create that beautiful fruit unless it has branches that these fruit can grow upon. It's one and the same. You can't have one without the other. It's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. It's somehow intertwined that what I'm taking and picking the fruit has come from the source of the vine that takes water from nutrients from the ground and produces this amazing thing. We're one and the same. That is why if someone is sick or or, or their family members die, all they can think of is Darcy. Why? What's special about Darcy or Jackson? But all of a sudden in their crisis, your name comes to mind, not because you're anything special, but because you're connected to the vine. You're one and the same with Christ. He dwells in us and we dwell in Him. So when people are in need, they see and they call out your name just as as God is walking the earth. Where are you? They see God in you, but they might not understand it. Because He is the vine, we are the branches. We're connected. You can't have one without the other. I had a friend who went through a horrible breakup uh, through COVID 
lost his business overnight. He'd fallen away from God. And the first thing he thinks to do is call his mate Murray. I'm thinking, why? And he gets on the phone. He's always a larrikin and jokes around. And he's joking. He starts crying. I said, come on, mate, just stop joking around. And he's sobbing. And I'm picturing him on the other side with the lip quivering, everything. And he just let it all out. He told me later, he said, Murray, you saved my life that day. You were there for me when I needed you. And I needed to hear the word of the Lord, even though I didn't want anything to do with God. He dwells in me. And I'm a part of him. And I'm so grateful for that. So finally, the word dwell means to sit. The word dwell means to abide or remain. And final point is the word dwell means to inhabit. This is an incredible story. It's one of my favourite in all of the Bible and it's found in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And it's a small piece of uh, scripture, but let me just read it to you and then i close and we'll pray. Once when they were going to a place of prayer, this is Paul and Silas, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she could predict the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owner's fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of them shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God. She followed men, but she said, these people are servants. She saw that they were connected to the vine. Because why on earth would anyone else follow somebody else and start screaming stuff out? He said, these guys are servants. They were set apart. They were people that knew what it was to abide, to dwell in the presence of God. And they attracted this woman that had a demonic spirit within her. Paul got really frustrated and he turned around, long story short, and he cast this demon out of her. And the owners are so upset with Paul because this lady makes them a lot of money. So they're dragged in front of the magistrate. And the crowd joined them and attacked Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped, to be beaten with a rod. Stripped. We read this so easily. They were stripped naked in front of the crowd, beaten with a rod, severely flogged and thrown into prison. The jailer and the commander of the guard was told to be careful with them. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened them in stocks. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Stop! They did nothing wrong but help this woman. Yet they were stripped in front of a crowd. They were flogged. They were beaten. They were not just put in prison. They were put in the inner cell, which is at the bottom of the ground. And they were put in chains. But yet in the midst of their pain and their turmoil and everything that had happened, they begin to praise God. These were men that knew what it was like to dwell in the presence of God to abide in Him, to bear fruit, even in the midst. And you say, Murray, are you telling me no matter what goes on in my life, that God still wants me to dwell in that secret place? I'm going to say, yes, He does. I'm going to share something with you that I haven't shared with too many people other than a few close people to me. But I have not been well. I've been sick the past two months since I come back from Spain and the doctors don't know what's wrong with me. 
I've been struggling to breathe. They've put me on a puffer now. I'm on, uh, I don't know what you call it, Ventolin. I literally, I preached this morning. I went straight home and slept for three hours. I come back, I'll be here tonight. This is going to knock me out. I'm going to go home and sleep. I haven't been able to work for three months. And they found a few things that seem to be quite serious in my body and they've sent me to specialists. And it was so hard for me to put this message together tonight. But I thought, I've got to do this. Because I feel like even though I haven't been stripped and thank God for that, I haven't been beaten. But right now I'm in my prison cell and I'm choosing tonight to praise God and bring glory to Him because He dwells in me. He chose to to leave His throne and, and come down to earth and say, Murray, where are you? And tonight I'm saying, God, I'm here. I might be sick, I might be broken, I might be in prison, I might not understand what's going on, but God, I'm here and I want to dwell with You. That needs to be our heart cry of a God that loves us, that sent His Son to die on the cross in our place whose heart's desire is to dwell with us. He inhabits the praises of His people. Ten years ago, I went to Sri Lanka, a bit more when the tsunami hit, and got involved with an organisation that built houses for people who lost their home. We raised enough money to build 25 houses and put people and feed them, set up education program, feeding programs. But the very next year we were invited back and they asked us to put on a program for the young people. And we had 50 people from all over Sri Lanka from our group of churches that we're with who were in a dark place that didn't know God. They were the pastor's kids. They wanted nothing to do with God. They saw how horrible their country had become. But yet they came to this service because they were told to come. I had a handful of people with me and I thought, God, what can I do with this? There's about 10 of us have youth pastors from uh, Western Australia. And before the meeting, I said, let's get together and pray because I got nothing I can do for this group of people. And for an hour and a half, we sat in our room and we said, Holy Spirit, have your way. And we began to dwell in the presence of God. So much so that the presence of God filled that room so much that I could not stand. The people who were with me could not stand. We were shaking. And I thought to myself, how on earth am I going to stand up in front of these 50 people? They had to help me out to, they have in Sri Lanka, they overdo everything. The podium was huge, like a shrine. And I'm leaning on it and I had to be helped to to walk there by my friends. And I opened my Bible and I couldn't even speak because I'd been in the presence of the Creator of the universe. I said to the translator and I didn't even know if he was translating what I was trying to say. And it just wasn't working. And I told him to be quiet and I just said, I'm just going to pray in English. And I reached out my hands and I got the guys with us and I said, we've been praying and been in the presence of God. And I stretched out my hands and I said, Holy Spirit, move. And I kept my my eyes closed. I didn't know what happened. But the guys behind me said, as as soon as we lifted our hands, everyone fell down under the power of God. 50 young people that didn't even want to be there in the first place. And revival broke out that night that we went back the next year and grew to 300 people for the youth conference. Those youth people got set on fire for God and now have planted churches all over the nation. Went from four churches, we've got 45 churches in Sri Lanka now. 
nothing to do with me, but to do with my connection with the vine. What am I trying to say as I close? If you want to draw near to God, you'll find Him in the secret place, a place where you can sit and be still, a place that you can abide and remain regardless of what's going on in your world and a place that He can inhabit. My final story. There's a revival at the moment that's all over the media in Ashby in Kentucky. Kentucky. Where a young student got up in a college or a university and just repented before the congregation. And from that moment, the Holy Spirit broke out and there's been a revival meeting after meeting where people have come to know Christ. Hundreds, if not thousands. People are flying in from all over the world to check out this revival, what God is doing. I was speaking with uh, Jen tonight who just got back from Kentucky before the revival started. And she told me a story of she met this older gentleman, a retired pastor or just a retired, yep, And basically his full-time gig, what he does now is he prays for God to to, to move. Day in, day out, he dwells in the presence of God. It's funny, we, we, we glorify this revival and this one guy gets up and repents and then God moves and everyone wants to see what happens. But the, the grassroots of it is, is that ones and twos begin to decide that they wanna dwell in the presence of God, that they wanna connect with the Creator of the universe, that they wanna see revival and they get on their knees and they pray. And the Creator of the universe dwells in them and, he, and, and they dwell in Him. Would you stand with me tonight? Sorry if I went over a few few minutes. I just got a little bit excited. I haven't preached for six months. We are at the start of a new year. In fact, we're halfway through February, so we're already past the start. But it's the start of the university year. And this church was founded many, many years ago with a heart to reach the university. And we are so grateful that you're here with us tonight and you're either visiting or deciding whether to to make this place your home over the next few years while you study. The heart's desire and the purpose of this church is that God would move in our university and our young people. And I thought tonight we could just take a moment, just as Beth plays in the background, just to take a minute just to dwell in the presence of God. Allow that spirit to, to soak in. Why don't you just close your eyes? Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place tonight. I thank you for your word that you brought. I just pray you'd seal in people's heart tonight. Oh, Lord, we just desire to dwell with you. Where are you? God is saying tonight. If you don't take anything else away from this message, I pray these words would ring in your ears, in your heart, in your spirit. Where are you? because He's looking for you. You are here tonight because He's looking for you. He wants to revive your heart. He wants to set it ablaze. He wants to, in the middle of your studies, in the middle of your busyness, He wants to be there. He wants you to remain in Him. So Holy Spirit, come and touch lives tonight, we pray. Lord, I pray for the people that have been away from You. Lord, tonight I just pray that they would abide in You afresh. Holy Spirit, Lord, at the start of this year, we invite You to dwell with us.
and that we may dwell with you. You might need just to take a moment just to pray in your own way to God. Maybe, maybe you've been away from God. Maybe it's your time just to take a moment to say, God, I'm here. Come and dwell in me afresh. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now as the music plays. Some of you might need to raise your hands. Some of you might want to kneel. That's that's your call. But let's just not waste this moment.